You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Well, it's an old story and you might have heard it. It's one of my favourites. I can't wait to hear it again. Uh, it involves, it's about prayer. It involves a guy who with his wife is driving in a, a car park of a large city hospital. And uh, they've arrived very, very late for an appointment. And uh, the guy cannot find a parking spot anywhere. And they're driving up and down, up and down. And uh, the wife is becoming increasingly agitated. She says, look, I knew this had happened. We've, we've waited for this special appoint- specialist appointment for months. You didn't get ready on time. You never do. Here we are. We're going to be late. We'll probably go another two or three months before we get another appointment. You know, What is it with you? Why can't you get ready earlier? And he's sort of like, he's starting to oof, really feel it, you know, and... Um, and then all of a sudden something happens and she's never heard this before in her life. He audibly starts to pray. And it's a really impassioned prayer. God, if you're there, please get me a car park. I'll do anything. I'll give up smoking. I'll give up drinking. I'll give up my Friday nights at the club. I might even get back to church. And it's really, and she's just sort of shocked. And then, his final word, just please give me a car park, Lord. I'll just, whatever it takes. Came around a, a bend, and truly miraculous, there is a car park, right outside one of the main entrances to the hospital. But then his wife rolls her eyes in disgust as he puts his head out the window and as reverently as he can says, uh, it's okay, Lord, I just found one. Uh, <laughs> Now, I mean, like, isn't that very typical of the approach many people have to prayer? You know, very keen to pray when the crisis is happening, but very reluctant to follow through on the, once the crisis is passed. In many cases, unwilling to acknowledge that God has played a part in the eventual solution to the problem. Friends, of course, within the church, within the family of God, within the body of Christ, we generally expect and can get a much deeper understanding to prayer than what we've seen in, in, our, in our friend in the, in the car park. Uh, within the life of the church, we, we talk about prayer. We, we practice prayer. It's fundamental to who we are. We recognize that an effective prayer life is a vital component to a consistent Christian lifestyle. But as I talk to Christians, as I talk to many of you, as I've talked to Christians over all the years of my ministry, it's clear many Christians struggle when it comes to prayer, feeling guilty about the infrequency of their prayers and having doubts about the effectiveness of their prayers. Now, friends, guilt and doubt are realities. There's no question about that. But they have no ongoing place no ongoing place in the life of someone who's trying to lead a victorious Christian life. I mean, that's why Jesus came, to remove guilt, to remove doubt. We might have those feelings for a time, but that's not where we're meant to be. That is not where we're meant to be. I believe the key, part of the key to the restoration and the renewal of a a healthy prayer life is to constantly remind ourselves of the basics of, of prayer, the basic spiritual and theological truths 
of prayer, why we pray, what's involved in prayer. If we can grasp these, and that's my intention this morning, to remind us of some of the fundamental truths about prayer. If we can grasp these in this way, we'll be more inclined to pray, more inclined to get to the point where, as William Barclay once said, prayer will become as natural as breathing. And there are many different forms of prayer. It's not to do with any posture or prayer can be just an ongoing relationship with God on a daily basis. Now, the first of these truths is the, is the most basic of all of them. And it's simply this. Prayer is one of the primary ways by which we both speak and listen to God. Now, it doesn't get any more basic than that. We're talking fundamental communication here. And that's vital in any relationship. Am I right? I mean, whether it's in a marriage or whether it's among friends or in a work environment, wherever, wherever we're placed, our ability to communicate our thoughts, our feelings, our, our hopes, our desires, our aspirations, our ability to communicate is critical, absolutely critical to the strength and the viability of the relationships we're seeking to establish. And it's clear from the life of our Lord that he saw communication with his heavenly Father as an essential component to his ministry effectiveness. In our reading, uh, brought to us so beautifully from Annie, from Mark 1, uh, here's Jesus after a period of demanding ministry, which you'll notice went through into the evening. They're still bringing the sick to him in the evening, and he's ministering. But then he gets up early in the morning after what we can only presume was a, a, a minimal amount of sleep time, Jesus is up very early, verse 35, very early the next morning, long before daylight, Jesus got out, or Jesus got up rather, and left the house. He went out of the town to a lonely place where he prayed. Now, we can only speculate, we can only speculate about the sorts of things Jesus would have shared with his father. But based on the recorded prayers we have from Jesus, like Gethsemane, like his prayer for the disciples in in John 17, we, we can safely assume that our Lord's prayers were very earthy, incredibly honest, and raw and real. I think they, you can, we can safely say that that's, that's the way Jesus would have, would have prayed. And there's a model for us. He poured his heart out to his Father. He brought to him every aspect of his ministry. It's interesting to speculate, isn't it? The prayer life of Jesus Christ. What would he have shared in those intimate moments with his father? Well, we get a bit of a clue from some of the prayers that are recorded. Very real, very honest. Now, if that's how it was for Jesus, how much more should it be for us as we share our innermost thoughts and feelings? Tell him everything, just like it is. No need for, for concealment when Jesus... He's the one who's promised never to leave us or forsake us. And so speaking to God, listening to God, herein lies a reminder, a powerful reminder as to the purpose of prayer. It's basic communication. But there's another fundamental truth about the nature of prayer that we need to consider, and it's this. Prayer is not so much about getting God to do what we want as it is about moving us toward what He's doing. Not so much about it, and this, is, this cuts across what many people think about prayer. Now, of course, there are references in the Bible. Of course, there are references encouraging us to ask for things. But 
nearly all of those have the rider, uh, the qualifier that we should be asking in accordance with his will. It's not just a matter of us presenting a long list of you know, way out requests and dropping all of those at the feet of Jesus. I mean, any encouragement for, people to, for, for God's people to ask is always in accordance with his will. I, I think sometimes, and I include myself in this, I think sometimes we have an image of God as needing to be sort of roused into action uh, by our prayers. You, you know, like talked into doing something he doesn't maybe want to do or he's reluctant to do. And our role is to kind of plead and really hope that we'll wake him up and, and, and get him into action. Uh, you know, if God's actions were restricted to our prayers, uh, if he limited himself to the times when he heard from you and me, uh, he'd be lying dormant for, uh, a long, for long periods, wouldn't he? I mean, he'd be inactive for quite a period because uh, none of us are that regular. None of us are that faithful in our prayer life. Besides, our knowledge, our perspective on things is finite compared to his knowledge and his awareness, which is infinite. Uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, he, he put it this way, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. He says, it's laying hold of his willingness. You think about that. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It's actually embracing. It's laying hold of his willingness. Uh, Sunda Singh, who's a famous Indian teacher and preacher, he says, prayer is not asking for all kinds of things we want. It is rather the desire for God himself. It's the desire for God to have more of God in our lives. When you look at the prayers of the great men and women of God, you look at the prayers of the great men and women of God, they reflect this point so clearly. You, you trace through the writings of Paul. You know, he never encourages his, his readers along these lines. Oh, pray that God will get me out of this. Pray that God will deliver me from this. No, no. Uh, always his prayers are, pray that God will use me in the circumstances in which I find myself. You, you trace it through. Nearly always. It is God, use me, pray that I'll be used in the circumstances in which I find myself. He wrote Philippians from prison. Okay, that, that, that's well known. He didn't ask them to pray that he'd be released. No, no. He talked about the opportunities he was getting while in prison. You remember, like he talks about, oh, some of these guards are showing an interest and here's the, the palace guards, they're also very interested. Like it's, <laughs> the gospel's going forth while I'm in prison. Pray that that will continue. It was during this time of imprisonment that uh, Paul shared with the Philippians his deepest prayer desire, probably the deepest, the deepest one he ever expressed. This is in prison. What's his prayer? Get me out of this. Get me released. No, here's his prayer. Chapter 3, verse 10. All I want, all I want is to know Christ and to experience the power of his resurrection, to share in his sufferings and become like him in his death, in the hope that I myself will be raised from death to life. More of God. <laughs> Not get me out of this or get me out of that. Not what we want. It's getting involved in what he's already doing. It's, uh, that's, that's heavy. That's industrial strength prayer, as we often like to describe it here at Northside. Someone has said that one of the marks, one of the marks of Christian maturity is when we start praying less, 
Lord, give something to me. And start praying more, Lord, give me to something. Give me to something. And a deepening understanding of this point helps us in our struggle with the problem of unanswered prayer. And that's another thing that we deal with a lot as Christians. It helps in this area because the focus goes off our needs and onto a greater awareness of his eternal plan. So mature Christians find themselves asking more or asking increasingly, Lord, what are you teaching me in this? What are you showing me in this? What are you preparing me for in this set of circumstances in which I find myself? And these thoughts provide a a neat segue into the next spiritual truth about prayer, and it's this. Prayer is not meant to absolve us from our responsibilities in dealing with problems and issues and situations. I mean, God has given us a brain, and uh, most of us find uh, the ability to uh, use that occasionally. Um, He expects us to take initiatives in situations where it's abundantly clear what needs to happen. When I first came to North... Well, let me first of all say that one, one of the most powerful ways in which we as a church express the prayer life of this fellowship is through the, the weekly prayer notes or the prayer letter that goes out. Chris Heap has been doing this ministry since 1988 and he's here today. And Chris, we honour you and we thank you for that. Uh, every Monday night, Chris gets into the office and he collates all the prayer requests that have been submitted on a Sunday, produces a, a prayer sheet that goes out to 20 people and they form a real powerhouse of prayer for the week that that, that lies ahead, praying for particular situations. I had to intervene not long after I'd started here when I just sensed that some of the prayer requests probably counted or cut across this this point about us doing our bit. One of the prayer requests I recall, I hadn't been here very long, one of the prayer requests requests was, pray that my neighbour who lives above me will turn his music down. And I got in touch with Chris and said, you know, has anybody asked that guy to turn the music down? Like, I mean, why bother God with a request like that if you haven't already asked the guy? Now, if you go to the guy and he can wax in the nose or puts his pit bull terrier onto you, that's the time to start praying. I mean, you've got to really, you know, God, get me out of this. But I mean, like, a lot of things we... It sounds all very pious to pray for something, but a lot of these things God is wanting us to take. He's given us the, the ability to act in his strengths and to start to answer the very prayers that we're, we're praying. There's the old saying, you know, trust God, but, but lock your car. I mean, how's that guy a number of years ago in Brazil? He, he, he climbed into the lion's den uh, at, the, uh, at the zoo in Rio de Janeiro to kind of prove his faith got eaten alive. Uh, and people said, well, you know, what happened? Did it, did it for Daniel? Well, you know, like Daniel was thrust into a lion's den. He didn't climb in as some kind of stunt for the six o'clock news, you know. Uh, it's, well, it's a timely reminder of our participation in prayer. We get to participate in prayer. If we're praying for Billy Bob up in the hospital that he'll receive a visit, it could be God saying, you should be that visitor. You, know, you should go and... And make a call or, or write a note. You give him some encouragement, you know. Well, absolutely fundamental to consistency in our walk with Christ is an effective prayer life, of course. And our prayer life can be strengthened and made more effective by reminding ourselves of foundational truths about the nature of prayer. It's our primary means of communication to God. It's becoming part of his action. 
He's already taking certain action. We become part of it through prayer. It's doing what we can do. It's doing what we can to answer some of the very prayers we pray. But I'm leaving the best till last. And here's the, here's the best point of all. Here it is. Prayer unleashes supernatural resources with power to heal and renew and reconcile and transform in ways not available by any other means. Our God is able to do far more than we can ever ask, think or imagine. Do you believe that this morning? I know many of you do. I mean, that's our journey. That's been our journey here at Northside over all the years of our ministry. Right now, I could pass the microphone around. I could, I could call on people right now to testify to the power of prayer in their life. Just like we did last week with, with Donna Clark. We're going to do it tonight with a young couple, uh, Ben and Kerry, and also Maureen Shelley. Got some great interviews lined up for tonight about the power of prayer in people's lives. I could call on the leaders of this church who would testify to the breathtaking expressions of, of prayer and answers to prayer during the, the course of, of this project uh, over six years. Amazing, miraculous responses to our prayers. Not a week goes by, I want to say from my perspective, not a day goes by that I don't see evidence in this church of the power of God through prayer in people's lives. I get emails. I take phone calls. I talk to people one-on-one. It is amazing the impact of prayer on the life of this congregation on a daily basis. Yes, Northside and its people. We can enthusiastically testify to the power of prayer. And I never cease to be inspired and encouraged by some of the stories of prayer I hear from some of you. There's a gentleman, he's here this morning. He gets up before five o'clock in the morning to pray. There's a lady here who prays while she's walking. And when she goes, we're encouraging her to walk a lot more because when she prays, things happen. And uh, we're encouraging her to keep up that walking. There's our prayer team I've already mentioned. There's the prayer that goes up from our connection groups every week. Prayer ministry through our meditation groups. This year, the elders are devoting every second meeting to a night of prayer and reflection on on God's Word. Um, These and in so many other ways, yes, we are a praying people, but here's the question that comes to me this morning and comes to you. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? It's one thing to talk about the prayer life of the church, but what about your prayer life? What about my prayer life? If it's getting a bit stale, just remember, it's not just a matter of posture or kneeling or... Prayer can be as as dynamic as we want to make it. Try writing prayers. Try praying in different situations. Praying while you're driving. In Sydney, you've got to pray while you're driving. Is that that right? Uh, You know, just don't close your eyes. (laughs) I mean, it's vital that we reconnect and keep connected to the Father if we want to maintain consistency in our Christian lives. That's where it starts. Our connectivity to Him is crucial when it comes to the maintenance of consistency. In the midst of a very busy life, working deep into the night, with minimal sleep, getting up early in the morning, Jesus Christ recognized the need to stay in touch with his heavenly Father through prayer. And of course, linked to prayer is reading of his word. And that's a challenge for many people. I have a battered old Bible in my, on my bookshelves. I don't use it anymore because when I bring it to the platform, it falls apart and reminds me of the saying, A Bible falling apart is usually being read by somebody who isn't. And uh, that's been been my experience for most of the time. It can be yours. 
Guys, Jesus Christ recognised the need to stay in touch with his Father through prayer. If that was good for him, I think that's something we should all pursue. Would you agree? Let us join together in prayer, shall we?